the source. I love that. Consider the source. All week I've been listening to a song that just Holy Spirit puts on my heart from my private devotions. And it's that famous song, His Eyes on the Sparrow. Anybody remember that? I love that song. Ethel Waters made it famous. And interestingly enough, Ethel Waters didn't write it. I'm not going to tell you how it was written. I won't be able to fit everything in by 12 if I do that. But Ethel Waters was a product of a rape and grew up in extreme poverty. In fact, she said she raised herself. And so when the words were penned, it was just rightly so that she would be the one to bring to our world these words. Why should I feel discouraged? I'm, I'm, feeling, I'm feeling Whitney and Lauren Hill right now. Why should the shadows come? Why should my heart feel lonely and long for heaven and home? When Jesus, someone say, Jesus is my portion. A constant friend is he. His eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches over me. Look at your neighbor and say, he knows how to take good care of you. This is my third installment in the series I've been doing on God is tested so God can be trusted. We don't like to be tested. We've already covered that ground Wednesday night before recovery and last Sunday morning. But we like things that are trusted. Jesus said, interestingly enough, not even a sparrow with only, who's only worth a half a penny can fall to the ground without your father knowing at that moment. And the very hairs on your head are numbered. So don't be afraid. Look at your neighbor and say, don't be afraid. You are more valuable to him than a whole flock of sparrows. So incredible. And consider the source. This morning you need to get your shore back. Say, I need to get my shore back. Before I read the passage and get into it, I just saw this little uh, cartoon yesterday. If you hashtag anything on Instagram, you can come up with any kind of visual. So this was such a cute little visual of a, a sparrow seeking counsel. looks like from a turtle. And the turtle says to the sparrow, are we ready? The turtle says to the sparrow, so what's on your mind, Mr. Sparrow? He said, I have this constant feeling that someone has his eye on me. Don't you love that? <laughs> it reminds me of some of my counseling sessions I did. Look at your neighbor and say, somebody has got his eye on you, and he knows how to take care of you. He's been tested, and he is trusted. Reading out of Luke 22, the 31st verse, Luke 22 the 31st verse, where are you, 31, it's showing the predictability of Jesus' own predictions, which is pretty powerful. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed Satan has asked for you. Don't think right now that Satan just asked for Simon. He's asked for everyone in this building. Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. That's a whole message itself, how wit is wit. I'll get to why in a minute, how wheat is sifted. But I have prayed for you, Jesus said, that your faith should not fail. And when you, when you should, okay, I'll get this right in just a minute. Let's start off. Verse 32, someone say start over. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brothers. This morning on, I want to share for a few minutes on consider the source, how to get your Sure back. Father, we thank you for your Holy Spirit. We thank you this is Pentecost Sunday, time when the whole world celebrates when the Holy Spirit came from heaven to that upper room. Your prediction was right about him, and he has been our constant friend, and he's empowered us. I welcome you, sir, to speak into your sons and daughters' ears and hearts. Even what I don't say, I welcome you to say. Lord, your word is powerful and anointed, but it's our own minds that we have to train to listen to you, God. So I pray we'll sequester, rope in any dangling thoughts of today, yesterday, tomorrow, 
and center on the word because nothing we're going to do or have done will change us. Only the word will. So, Lord, we choose to bring our minds into focus. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen, amen. Jesus can be trusted. Consider the source. That's a statement that often you hear people say when someone says, I heard, and someone else will say, consider the source. It means who said that to you? Who did that? Consider the source of whatever they said or consider the source of what they promised. Uh, Jesus is in an upper room with his disciples, and he singles out one of his students. And he says to him, Simon, which means shifting sand. He's already changed his name to Peter, which means the rock. Everyone say the rock. He says to him, I'm going to predict that something's going to happen. And I'm going to predict something else, but let's just stay right there. I'm going to predict that something's going to happen. You know, it's so cool that Jesus changed his name because how I start is not how I have to end. Amen. And what I love not only about that, brothers and sisters, I love that um, some bumps I've hit in my life, some bad and horrible places have not where I had to start. And names I gave myself that other people gave me, that Jesus can even change that. Can anyone give the Lord a hand clap of praise for that this morning about your life, about your life? But it's funny because we're horrible at predictions. In fact, one of my fellow ministers, Nicole, says he does not endorse gambling, but he says, whatever I say, go the opposite way if you want to win. Because sometimes our predictions are horrible. I mean, sometimes we see a trend coming on in fashion, and we think there's no way that's ever going to catch on. But Keith Higgins, it catches on. Anybody notice? Um, us that grew up back when dinosaurs roamed the earth, we used to listen to music on eight tracks. And I wanted to text everyone to see who had an eight track, but I forgot. How many remember eight tracks? Oh, we loved those things. Baby, they were bulky. You had to get a posse to help you carry them, and you had a big eight-track player in your car. We loved them so much that when someone said, this is the new it, this cassette is the new it, most of us said, that is never going to catch on. Anything that small, come on, somebody, is never going to catch on. But guess what? It did catch on. This is called, for you that don't know, a cassette tape. Everyone say, a cassette tape. Most of you are like, what is that? I've never seen that. That's a cassette tape. And then we got to listen to that. I remember the first time our chief musician, Kelly Goins, brought in a CD. I said, Kelly, that is never going to catch on. Who is going to use that in their machine? It's going to get scratched, which this one is scratched. I was right about that. It's going to get scratched all up. It's going to be horrible. It's never going to. We are bad. Say, we are bad at our predictions. I mean, we thought that would never catch on, and now that's been so totally bypassed. And then there was a way we watched movies. It was so fabulous. It was called VHS. Give it up for VHS. It's fabulous. We love VHS so much that when they came out with that thing called DVD, we said, that is never going to catch on. And furthermore, what am I going to do with the 5,000 VHS? Anybody else that I have in my closet, what am I going to do? I mean, VHS was so wonderful because often they would get tangled, and it was a family sport. It'd get tangled in your machine, this little ribbon, and you'd have to pull it off. But guess what? It did not stay, and DVDs came out. I bought one of my favorite movies, You Is, You Is. Okay, you as kind, you as smart, you as important, but you as not remembering this movie. Um, but say our predictions, come on, everyone say our predictions. Work with me, we'll get through this faster. Say our predictions are usually wrong. Usually those things we say will never catch on. I remember the first time I ever saw someone with a laptop. That's never going to catch on. I mean, the Smith Corona typewriter, that was the fabulous days. Ching, 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 ching. You do it. It was so amazing. But our predictions are usually wrong. Because we are the source and we are human. But his predictions 
are divine and eternal. People are unpredictable. Have you ever met someone you thought, hey, they're going to stay forever? I'm a, Pastor David and Connie and I had some time to visit yesterday at the baby's birthday party, and we were talking about when, in, in, from first enters hope in our mind, do we think, will they make it or not? And, and, and unfortunately, we play that game, and often we're wrong, often we're right, whether they stay or go. Often in church work, can I get an amen? We'll think, that person is going to be here forever, and that person was gone in three weeks. Come on, somebody. Look at your neighbor and say, I am unpredictable. Life is unpredictable. Pain is unpredictable. Sorrow is unpredictable. Bumps in the journey are unpredictable. There is no prescription for pain that I can write today that I don't know I'll face tomorrow, Lauren. Because failures come, disappointments come. A few years ago, two years ago, Warren Buffett, for you that don't know him, he's got a lot of money. And he said he would give $1 billion, everyone say $1 billion, to anyone that could fill in every bracket in the March Madness. And get it right. Now, in, in case you don't understand about that like me and you just read a lot and learn these things, March Madness has 63 games leading to it. Everyone say 63 games. Every single bracket had to be filled in and he would give $1 billion. The reason he could make those odds is because he knew the odds at one university tried to figure out if anyone could figure out every bracket. And it's a number so big that only Chris Vernon could tell you and I didn't have time to call him. It was huge because the odds were not in their favor because we are human. Look at your name and say, you are human. Interestingly enough, DePaul University calculated the odds that Jesus could fulfill every prophecy that was said about him. From Genesis all the way to Malachi, that big, rich, full Old Testament and the odds were, I'll get to it in a minute, but they were huge. It was like so many zeros to one. It was huge odds. Someone say huge. But guess what? Jesus fulfilled every single prophecy and prediction. But you think he can't find you a spouse unless you go down to the beer cave and choose one for yourself. Come on, somebody. You think that God can't pay your bills unless you do something illegal or ungodly to get your bills paid. But I think that God cannot catch a ram in the thicket when I need provision to pay my house payment. I think that the Lord God, who has not missed one prediction yet, cannot take care of me. We need to consider the source this morning. His name is Alpha and Omega, and everything he has said, he fulfills. Somebody give him a shout of praise. Let me tell you, in creation, it was predicted in Genesis 3 and 5, when um, Adam and Eve fell, it was predicted that the seed of man would come against, that the seed of woman would come against the seed of Satan, and it did. And in Galatians 4 and 4, it was fulfilled when it said, in the fullness of time, the sun came. In Malachi 5 and 2, it was predicted that out of you, Bethlehem, one shall come forth who will rule Israel hundreds of years before. In Matthew 2 and 1, right on the historical timeline of the universe, Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea. Daniel prophesied in 9 and 25 that it would be 69 seven year periods that in the, until the Messiah came in Luke 2, 1, it says, and it came to pass exactly on the day that Daniel prophesied that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that the world would be taxed. It said in Zechariah 11 and 12, someone say hundreds of years, 
some would say hundreds of years, that the Messiah would be sold for 30 pieces of silver. And in Matthew 26 and 15, Judas in his own demise sold the Savior for 30 pieces of silver. It was prophesied in Psalms 20. I came to preach. I hope you're all right. In Psalms 27 and 12, it said there would be false witnesses that would rise against him. And it was fulfilled. And uh, it was filled in Matthew 24 and 5. It said he would have silent, he would be silent during his accusations in Isaiah 53 and 7. It was fulfilled in Matthew 24 in Psalms 22. Hundreds of years before he was to be crucified, King David wrote down exactly how he would die years before that form of execution even existed. I tell you, Jesus knows how to fulfill predictions. And if he was full of strength and honor and courage that he did not walk away from the cross, he is not going to walk away from his elect, God's holy children. Somebody give him a shout of praise. In Isaiah 53 and 9, it said he would be buried in a rich man's tomb. And as I said a few weeks, at celebrate recovery. That's why on the series AD, which I encourage you, you didn't watch it, you buy it. Buy it and watch every episode. But in there, the Sanhedrin went nuts when Joseph of Arimathea stepped up to give his tomb to the Messiah. The high priest went into a fury because they knew the prophecy of Isaiah 53 and 9. This Messiah will die with the poor, but hallelujah, he shall be buried in a rich man's tomb. Colossians 1 says, in Christ. Someone say, in Christ. All things hold together. Come on, somebody. Give him a hand clap of praise. He is the original bracket buster. Look at your neighbor and say, Jesus, bust all brackets. He does. He could have told you who would have won March Madness. He can tell you where the ashes of the red heifer are. He can tell you where the ashes of everyone that's ever been buried and died and been cremated. Either way, he can tell you. Interestingly enough, Jesus came on the scene. In this passage, he predicted. Everyone say he predicted. He predicted the way that he would die to his disciples. He predicted to Simon Peter. We'll use both of those names until we get in a moment farther in this message. He predicted that he would die. He predicted that he would be raised again. He predicted on the third day he would come out. And in Mark 16, the angel appears because the disciples come back to the tomb. This is so crazy. And I want to cast a stone, but brothers and sisters, I cannot. Because I found myself at the tomb of that which is dead, looking for living things. I've bowed down at that which was dead in my past, looking for something else. You have as well gone to dead things, past sins, past relationships. Oh, come on, someone. Say amen so they don't think I'm talking to you. All those things, those dead things. He said, Nicole, he told him over three times that we have record of late. I will be crucified, but on the third day. We're talking about consider the source of he who is in control of your life. He said, I will be raised on the third day. And amazingly, on the third day, they're still at the tomb looking for him dead. We know that by what they said. And an angel appears and says, why are you so shocked? He predicted this to you. He was crucified. He's not risen. He has risen. He is not here. And I love this part. It's the angel says to them, now go tell his disciples and Peter. Everyone say Peter. I love that because he's singling him out again, just like he singles Rhonda Davis out. 
and she disappoints herself. Go tell my people and tell Tim. Go tell my people and tell Tim. Go tell my people and tell Chris. Go tell my people and tell Austin. He singled them out by you saying is, you're coming back. You might have disappointed yourself. And Jesus said, I'm going ahead to Galilee. The angel said, he's going ahead to Galilee. You will see him just as he told you. Jesus has excellent powers of prediction. Jesus always does what he said he will do. There you will see him. If you know what? If he made you a promise, you can always expect his promise where he said it would be. So stop looking in dead tombs. Come on, somebody. If he made you a promise that you would have joy unspeakable, stop looking into the dams of the dead for joy. If he made you a promise that you would have peace, stop looking for it in a wire, a relationship, a TV show. Come on, somebody. Food. We could go on and on tonight. How many of my personal shall I say to you? You see, when God says something to you, it ceases to be a prediction and it becomes a promise. Everyone say a promise. Everyone say a promise. And he made one you can expect it to show up. When he said there would be peace, peace will show up. When he said there will be grace, grace will show up at the door of that thing. We make predictions, but God makes purposes. We have ideas, but God has purposes. We have thoughts about what's going on in our life and what will happen. Remember when the disciples said to Jesus, he said, feed the multitude. And the disciple says, it is very late in the day. We are very tired. There are no stores open. This is a desert place. And I love that because that's often what Rhonda does. I say to Jesus, it is not possible that you can provide for me today. It is not possible that you can work this miracle today. This is Rhonda Davis. She's 54. You see how I'm picking on me and not on you? Doesn't that feel a little easy? But I'm going to get back to you in a minute. Hold on. You see, so this is what Rhonda is telling the Most High God. I love it that Jesus looks at them and what he wanted to say, yeah, I know this is a desert place. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus was there when God created the desert. And he could have said, I remember when my Father spoke this out of nothing. I remember when, we, when the Spirit hovered over the earth. Yes, I know this is a desert place. Why are you telling me what can and can't be done? We have our thoughts. He has his thoughts. We have our ways. He has his ways. And Isaiah says, as high as the heavens are above the earth, so are his, uh, his ways and his thoughts about you above yours. As the rain comes down from heaven and so it doesn't return, so shall be his word that proceeds out of it mouth, his mouth. It shall not. Someone say, it shall not return void. So listen, his predictions are online. Listen to me. Tune in. So when he says to you out of Deuteronomy 31 and 16, brothers and sisters, be strong and of good courage. Do not fear nor be afraid of anybody. For the Lord your God, he's the one who goes with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. When the Lord says in Psalms 121 that he will preserve your going out and your coming in this time forth, if he said it, he can make the prediction come to pass. If he said in Isaiah 46 and 4, even to your old age I am he and even to your gray hairs I will carry you, says the Lord. I have made you and I will hear you and I will carry and deliver you. If he said, for the mountains shall depart and the hills will be removed, but my love and my kindness for you 
you shall never depart, nor my covenant of peace I have made with you, says the Lord who has mercy on you. Someone say amen. You can take his predictions when he says in the book of Jeremiah, oh, this is on my bulletin board in my office, the time is coming, says the Lord, when I will do all the good that I have promised you. It means that God's prediction and his promises and every good intent he has for you, Mandy, he has for you, Kat, he has for you, Keith Red, shall be fulfilled in his time. Give him one more shout of praise this morning. His power of prediction. I encourage some of you archaeological loving minds to research it. I encourage some of you scientific loving minds. I am not one or the other, but I love studying. To, to just study out all that he has predicted. I love it when he said, go tell Peter, my predictions came to pass. I love that because God, I love this, is waiting in the place of your next step toward him. He's already waiting there. Pastor Hank has that incredible visual I've encouraged him to do again where he climbs the mountain and he says, you, all, you don't go all the way down to the bottom of the mountain and you fail. You go to the last place you are before you climb. Is that not encouraging to anyone else in this room? I mean, if I were God, I'd say down to the bottom of the mountain, you go. Come on, people, you would too. But God says no. Just back to the same place. He says, go tell my son Peter my predictions came to pass. Tell him. Luke 22, Jesus' predictions were so powerful that when they were, when I opened that passage reading, that was about the Passover, he said to Peter and to John, go out into the street, walk down the street, listen to this, when you walk down the street, you will see a man carrying water. Follow that man into the house that he goes into, then ask to see the upstairs room. And when you go up there, someone has set the table. And any woman that's ever put on a dinner theater, say amen with me. Someone has already set the table. They've already arranged it. They already have the cups out. They have that mess. If you study Passover, they had the plates out. The room had been prepared. Jesus knew when the man would walk down the street and carry the jug of water. But you and I don't think that Jesus can take care of our future. When he knew at 2 o'clock that afternoon that man was going to be led to carry that jug, somebody give Jesus a hand for his prediction, his power, his predictability power. So incredible. And he said, Simon, Simon, listen, Satan has asked for you. You see, the potential of being Peter the Rock was great, but the struggle was still real. Everyone say the struggle. Struggle's real. Hey, brothers and sisters, you're not the only one that's struggling. Every one of us is struggling to become what he says we are going to become. Oh, I had my struggle this week. Oh, I, you probably did as well. You, you might, I might got mad about something. I shouldn't have got mad about it. Thank God I have a husband who I can vent to because he wasn't the one I was mad at. But, you know, thank God Holy Spirit knows that we're trying to be who he said we'll be. You see, you're going to fail, he said. Jesus makes a prediction. We know Peter contradicts the one who's fulfilled every prediction. And he says, oh, not me. I love this. This is just like a church worker. This is just like me. Oh, maybe everybody else in this room will. Uh-huh. Yeah, 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 but not me. I am yours, Jesus. Maybe every one of these foolish little disciples in this room will forsake you, but not me. Isn't it funny how judgmental we become when we think everyone else can fail, but we can't? When we can see ourselves in such a place? And the amazing thing is, Jesus said, but you will. And you know, Peter never thought he would be here and be there. I'm sure you've had that same thing that you never thought you'd be there. Anybody else with me? 
Come on, everybody in the room should lift your hand. Are you a lion or you just don't want to lift your hand? There's somewhere you've been in your life. You either faced a mountain you never thought you'd face. You disappointed yourself. You sinned. I mean, I can just paint this as far as y'all want me to paint it. You say, I never thought I'd be here. But guess what? Jesus knew you'd be there. Jesus knew you'd be there. Listen to me. Peter so denied Christ, and we're all very acquainted with that whole scene. If we've seen any of the movies or heard people preach, sometimes people get things more from movies. That's why I encourage you. I'm a visual learner, so when I read something, it comes alive to me. Not everyone has that gift. They have gifts I don't have. But it's funny, when that rooster crowed, Jesus said, you'll deny me three times, and then the rooster will crow. And it's funny, Peter was accustomed to the sound of rooster. When you're in Israel, you hear them all day long. But that sound, it said, and Jesus looked at him, because Jesus was being horribly beaten, and Jesus looked away from his own beating to look Peter in the eye. I wonder how he looked at him, Keith. I often think about that, because in my mind, the false assumption that we come up with about God, that he looked at me like some mean teacher I was. That he looked at me like some perfect individual and I messed up and they couldn't believe I messed up. You know, and sometimes it's such a horrible false assumption we make about God. That that's the way he's looking at us because people are different. Or he's naming us something that people have named us. Or the way we look at ourselves. Some of us, I've counseled with people for years that they're so hard on themselves. It makes them so judgmental of everyone else. But it starts with being hard on themselves. And you wonder how he looked at Peter. Everything I've learned about Christ, he did. It's made me believe that it was not that look of that piano teacher that scared the living Gehenna out of me. Anybody with me? It was not that third grade teacher that terrified me so bad. I believe he looked at him like, Peter, I said this would happen. It's like, oh, that's right. Look at me. But it says that Peter went out and wept bitterly. I don't know, brothers and sisters. If you've ever bitterly cried over your own disappointments. I mean, disappointments that you've made, disappointments that's just like, anybody just cried over things that you thought were coming, that extra paycheck? Come on. Anybody ever wept bitterly? Maybe none of you wept bitterly, but I've wept bitterly over things promised to me that didn't come to me sometimes. Sometimes I brush them off, but when I was really counting on them. But this kind of wept bitterly, it's tears when you know you disappointed yourself so bad. When you feel like you missed your purpose, but isn't it great that, your purpose is greater than your disappointment. God's purpose. Someone say God's purpose. Chris, will you come and start playing? I'm not quite done, but I'm ready to get that feel into these last 15 minutes. God's purpose is greater than your history. It's greater than that moment that life just blindsides you. I didn't see that coming. When you're standing at the tomb of your own disappointments on Saturday, this isn't a resurrection Easter sermon, but it is the sermon I feel that's right for this morning. And you're wondering, will the season ever end? And the angel said, go tell Peter at the tomb. My prediction came true. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you like wheat because bad things happen. Bad things, fallen things happen in this world and you will disown me, he said. And Peter's thinking, he told me I would. He told me I would fail. But this is the problem. Peter remembered the first part, but not the second part. Isn't that often what we do? We remember the first part of you're going to be persecuted. And we just focus on that. I'm going to be persecuted. I'm going to be persecuted. But we forget that he says, but I have overcome the world. We focus on this part of whatever has been said about our world. And we don't focus on the second part 
of what Christ has said. The second part, and often I love, there's a great, fabulous message called God's Grammar by a, a very mature saint. He may even be gone now from the earth. But it's called God's Grammar and a famous statement Mark Batterson put in his book. Circle maker, you've heard me say it a lot. Don't put a period where there's supposed to be a comma in your life. A period. There's some places supposed to be a period at the, the end of this challenge, the end of this thing. But often we put periods in the wrong place. I failed God, period. I made a mistake, period. I'm disappointed, period. I'm not who I'm you're not supposed to be. I've, I've, I've yelled at the kids, period. But he says, don't, don't put a period where God says comma. That's when God raised Lazarus from the dead. That was the perfect example. You see, don't put finality where there's still a future. Jesus said, Peter, I prayed for you, Simon, that your faith would not fail. He didn't say, he didn't say, I didn't pray that you would not fail. Catch that right now. He didn't say, Laura, I prayed that you would not fail. Jesus didn't pray that. He said, Simon, I prayed that your faith would not fail because you're going to fail. You're going to make mistakes. He said, I prayed for him. What I love this morning at the right hand of the Father, go there with me. All heaven is crying holy, holy. There's universities, beautiful, incredible things going on. But all of heaven, when it looks at Jesus, just cries the Lamb, glory to the Lamb. He's the darling child of heaven, though he's a grown, radiant Savior. Angels are, 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 are circling. The saints that have gone on, they're doing their work every time they see him. Jesus. Anyone that's had an after-death experience that has a trusted testimony will tell you every time people get a glimpse of him, Christ. I mean, just the love and the strength. But the Bible says, with all of that going on around him right now in heaven, with all the colors around the throne, the emerald, the jasper, the gold, the diamonds, and all the beautiful tree, the glory, just the most beautiful thing you've ever seen. Jesus is not distracted in this moment. He's not distracted by the praise that is going up before him. But Hebrews 7 and 25 says, Jesus, he is able to save once and forever. Someone say forever. Someone say forever. Those who come to him. And I love this part. He lives forever to make intercession. That means at the right hand of the Father right now, Jesus is praying for me. And he's praying for Angel. And he's praying for Blake. I don't know how he's doing it, but he's praying for Hannah. He's praying for Courtney. He's praying for baby Skylar. I can't explain that to you, but I love it. One of the saints said, if I could hear Christ, oh, I love this statement, praying for me in the next room right now, I would not fear a million enemies. But this great sage took a breath, and then he said, but yet distance makes no difference. He is praying for me right now. I love it that on your worst day, I mean, I had a praying daddy. I loved how I could wake up and hear him through the vents. Praying for me on the other side of the house, but the sound was carried. I loved hearing him pray for Rhonda. Oh, he didn't, he didn't blush it up to Jesus. Sometimes I learned the things that were wrong about me by hearing my daddy praying. He didn't know I was praying back. He didn't know I was listening. God touch Rhonda. Just hearing him call my name and my sister, my brother, my mom. I know we've walked out those prayers to hear anyone praying for you. And often we can't hear each other pray. But in your mind, I encourage you, brother and sisters, to tell your own self. Someone somewhere is praying for me right now. They might not even know who they're praying for. 
And right now, Jesus is praying. And Jesus predicted, I'm praying for you, Simon, that your faith would not fail. But I'm praying that when you blow it, when you have turned back. I love that. He said, when. Everyone say, when. If he had said, if you turn back, we'd all gone running. Gone running. We'd all thought that was the end of the day. But he said, when you turn back. When, not if. Simon, I've already seen your future. Rhonda Davis, I've already seen your future, said the Lord when he called me. I knew what I was getting into when I called you. I knew. I knew. I already carved out paths back to your success. That when says that the time you were failing and falling, I was bringing forth victory. You see, the cross, people misunderstood the prediction and the fulfillment of it. They were shocked when he went to the cross. But after every cross, there is a crown. And today, you may be stuck between what you can't understand and what God has promised. But remember, God had a plan to bring you out and to bring you back and to bring you through before you were ever born. Somebody give the Lamb of glory all the praise. Every trial, every storm, every attack from the enemy, every problem in your finances... He already predicted. He already had the power. And what I love so much is that he was saying, my prediction came true. Consider the source. But I prayed your faith would not fail. The richest thing you have in your life right now is not your gold, your silver. It's not your dollar bill. It is your faith. It is your faith. And I love that this Simon Peter was restored. I love on this Pentecost Sunday, before I turn the corner down to the end, let me just say this. On this Pentecost Sunday, all over the world, we celebrate when they were in the upper room and the Spirit of the Lord came. I love that um, Simon, who was shifty, became the rock. And I love he who had failed, he who disappointed himself. When the Holy Spirit came, that's why I love visuals like A.D., when you see them in that upper room, when you see it, I, I see, I can see that, but you've got gifts I don't have, but I love for people to see it. And you see them, this Peter who's running and crying and weeping bitterly, and you see Jesus loving on him and saying, Peter, I love you. Peter, I believe in you. You are the rock. You are the rock, because I've already spoken it over you, sons and daughters, he says to you today. The Lord Jesus says to you and I today, I've already spoken over who you become, Hannah. Before you were born, the lamb was already slain. I've already determined that whatever you go through, however shifty you think you are, that when you turn back to me, that your faith would not fail and you, brothers and sisters, would become the rock that the gates of hell can never prevail against. Somebody give Jesus a praise. I'm almost done. And I love the visual AD gives. Like I said, I don't even need it, but I love it. Because it shows, goes from Peter weeping, being so disappointed, and having to face Christ after John stood with him. I think the worst thing, people, brothers and sisters, sometimes is for me to see someone who didn't do what I did. Someone who didn't make that bump in the road. And through my whole life, sometimes that's hard. And I'm sure Peter seeing John, who stayed with Jesus, it hurt him, but he goes from that weeping, low person that wonders how he can ever get back up to when Jesus speaks and encourages him and said, the first prediction came to pass, you believe that? Why won't you believe this? You will return to me and your faith will not fail. But I love when the Holy Spirit 
comes into that upper room and you see those men become charged and Peter charges out into the street. He begins to preach. He who was shifty opens his mouth and the great Holy Spirit, the third person who lifts you up when you're down, he gives you words when you don't have any. He gives you courage when you are scared. He gives you the very braveness of David when he was up against Goliath. He comes upon you and all the sudden 3,000 people ran to the name of Jesus because one person believed the predictions of Jesus will come to pass. Somebody give him a shout of praise in this house. I love it. I'm going to go to that last visual I forgot because you know what? The last one I gave you, the devil said, they're all mine. But Jesus responds, over my dead body. Come on, somebody. The devil says they're all mine, but Jesus responds. We'll get it in a moment. They're all mine, but Jesus responds with over my dead body. In the garden, he chose you. The scripture says he could have called legions of angels and wiped out the earth. And Debbie Kidd, God would have said, you were right in your decision, Jesus. You were right, Nicole. You were right to just wipe them all out. And I will start over with you. But if Jesus had done that, there'd have never been a Blake. There'd have never been a Kelly Carson. There'd have never been a Rhonda Davis. But Jesus said, over my dead body, you're going to have one of them. And I will resurrect from the grave. And I will bring them with me. Somebody give him praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I love watching a ball game, a sports fan with someone who's already knows the score of the game. You ever do that? They already know their team won. And so they're not getting nervous. It's like knowing the end of a movie. They're not getting nervous. I mean, they say, well, I don't know how it's going to pull out, but I already heard the score was, come on, somebody. So I know my team, the Bulldogs are going to pull out, pull it out, or the volunteers anyway, are going to pull this out. So I believe, you know what I'm telling you something today about God? God knows the end to every score. He's already seen everything. He's on the triumph on the other side. He's not intimidated by your insecurity. He is not paralyzed by your past. He saw every moment that would come into your life and my life, whatever mountain we would face, whatever bad news we would get, Jesus already knows the end, and he's rejoicing every minute of the game because he knows the ball is in his court and his court alone. Somebody give him one more praise in this house. Come on, stand on your feet and I'll do one more thing. Come on, stand on your feet all over this house. I love it. I love what that great preacher calls the great cosmic chess game. Consider the source. Consider the source. Every prediction that was made about Jesus, he fulfilled, Debbie. Every prediction, Mandy, he fulfilled. Gerald, every prediction, he fulfilled. David Layer, every prediction, he fulfilled done a lot of slapping and jumping, but I've restrained myself, if you only knew this morning, because that's an exciting word to me. i got to get my sure back this morning that I can consider the source of he who made me every promise, that when I go through the fire, I will not be burned, that I will go through the waters, I shall not drown, that when I mess up, he will lift me up again. He will hold on to that name which he gave me in the beginning, no matter what bumps come in the road. And you too, I gotta trust him. I love the great cosmic chess game that's been played in the universe. I've shortened it. Some of you've heard me do this one other time a couple of years ago on a Wednesday night. 
but I've shortened it, but listen to it. God predicted every move of the cosmic chess game, and here we go. In the garden, the devil made a move, and Adam and Eve fell. God countermoved, and this one man, Jesus, in the garden of Gethsemane, redeemed all mankind because he chose you above himself. And every day of our life, we've got to learn to choose him above ourselves. At the Red Sea, the enemy blocked them in from behind, and they didn't know where they were going to go, but God countermoved, and he rolled back the waters of the mighty Red Sea and took them out on dry ground. The devil made a move at the walls of Jericho. The walls were so high, and it was in the way of what the people of God needed to get. But God made them be quiet for six days, and on the seventh day, he countermoved with one big roar. Everyone say roar. And the walls fell to the ground. The enemy made a countermove and came against the people of God and a horrible, horrible enemy called the Midianites. And little Gideon was afraid and had very small works with him, and it came down to 300. But the Lord God countermoved, and through the shout of Gideon and little trumpets they made with their own hands, God rolled the enemy and chased them all the way back from whence they came. You see, the enemy made a move and he created a giant named Goliath and he roared every morning and night at God's people and they trembled and they shook and they believed the lies of the devil. But then God countermoved and brought a little shepherd boy out on the field who was willing to believe. How dare you speak against the name of the Lord my God? And he took one stone and God countermoved and crushed that giant to the floor. You see, the enemy made a move in the book of Malachi. People were weary, and they were tired, and they were afraid, and they didn't know when Jesus was coming, and there was a long silence, but God did a counter move, and in the book of Matthew, a baby was born in Bethlehem, and all of a sudden, old people started singing again. A woman named Elizabeth, who was barren, gave birth to a child. An old woman named Anna and Simeon, whom the Lord had predicted they would not die until they saw with their own eyes the Messiah one morning on the temple steps there came Jesus the Messiah as a baby in the arms of Mary and behold Anna and Simeon found that every prediction of the Lord comes true the king sought to kill him but God kept fulfilling his prophecy getting Jesus out curses filled the land but the Bible said Jesus grew with favor and with wisdom and then they moved and Satan had him arrested falsely accused threw lots on his garments nailed him put the crown of thorns upon his head and the enemy thought he had the game won because he crushed the Messiah the Sanhedrin was partying the Pharisees were rejoicing as Pastor Hank says all of hell was putting on a party with every kind of devil's food cake you can imagine but God said don't you don't you take a breath I still have one more move. And God himself resurrected Jesus from the center of the earth and put him at the right hand of the Father. So you consider the source. I'm done preaching. Now give him praise this morning. Hallelujah.